Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you're my friend, you will speak truth to me, even if it hurts me. It can be trusted. I know you're a trusted friend because you care enough about me to speak truth to me, knowing that it could be very wounding to me. You're my friend. Conversely, you're not my friend. In fact, you're my enemy. If you only tell me what I want to hear. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Speaking the truth to someone we care for is easy, but it's a pleasant topic. However, when it's regarding a sin in that person's life, it can be extremely tough. So tough that we often avoid it. However, Pastor J.D. reminds us that our willingness to speak the truth in a loving way is a demonstration of true love. Withholding the truth from someone may only mean their destruction. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. On Sunday mornings, we're going through 2 Corinthians. We're now in the last chapter, chapter 13, and our text today will be verses 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul is writing, and by the Holy Spirit says, verse 1, This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier, or any of the others, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. Today's teaching is going to be part one of a series I've titled, What True Love Is and Does. As we just read in the first three verses of this last chapter here in 2 Corinthians, and as we're about to see, the Apostle Paul is writing about what will now be his third visit to the Corinthian church. Paul's first visit took place when he originally planted the church and stayed there in Corinth for what would end up being about a year and a half. We know this because of Acts chapter 18 verse 9, where it says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And the Lord had revealed himself to Paul in a vision because there were many there that were threatening to kill him. And he was fearful. And this is interesting because you don't imagine the Apostle Paul being fearful, but he was. And this is why the Lord appears to him in a vision and says to him, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city, speaking of Corinth. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God 
among them. That was his first visit when he planted the church. Sadly, though, Paul's second visit was a very brief one. It took place between the time that he wrote his first and second epistle to the Corinthians. And the reason his second visit was so brief is because it was riddled with conflict, striving, and just carnality. And that was really the main reason it was riddled with such conflict. It was really because of the carnality on the part of the Corinthians. And this is one of the reasons that Paul says what he says here, and really in the way that he says it, in advance of his third visit, And it also, in some way, explains why it is that Paul is so seemingly harsh and blunt in the way that he says what he says. And that's the question, I think, that's before us today. Why? Why is the Apostle Paul so blunt with them? Why does he write so harshly to them? And... Here's another question. (laughs) Why does Paul even want to visit them again? Listen, I, I can take a hint after my second visit. You know what? No. (laughs) Why would I want to go back and visit a church that just brought me nothing but sorrow and grief and pain? Why would I want to go back a third time? Is Paul being a glutton for punishment, as we say? Here's the answer. It's in a word, love. That's why. What do you mean? Well, Paul loved these Corinthian Christians so much. In spite of their carnality and in spite of the fact that it wasn't reciprocated. That's why he writes and says to them in the previous chapter, chapter 12, he says, why is it that the more I love you, the less you love me in return? I really believe that these Corinthian Christians really hurt the Apostle Paul. And again, you don't see maybe the Apostle Paul as being someone who would be so hurt. I mean, you, like me, I'm sure, imagine him to have really thick skin and just this unflinching fearlessness and toughness. But I really believe that Paul just had such a tender heart, and he had such a special place in his heart for these Corinthians. The only other church that he spent as much time with, and even more time with, was the church of Ephesus. The church of Corinth, more than any other church other than the church in Ephesus, the Apostle Paul spent the most time with, a year and a half with. I would submit that love is the only answer that explains why Paul would even bother writing them. It's also the only answer that explains why Paul would now want to even visit them for the third time. Think of it this way. If he didn't love them, he wouldn't bother. If he didn't love them, 
He wouldn't even bother writing them, let alone visiting them. This is the only thing that explains why it is that Paul would even do this. I see Paul's love for them as being the real deal, if you will. This was real love. This was true love. This was an unconditional love. This was agape love. And certainly it was brotherly love. He loved them so. And as such, he was willing to do anything and everything in order to get through to them under the banner of his love for them. Certainly Paul was not concerned about whether they liked him or not. I mean, that becomes abundantly clear. And what's also abundantly clear is that his chief concern was for their spiritual growth. He only cared about their spiritual maturity. And as we're going to see towards the end of the chapter, he basically says to them, you guys need to grow up. (laughs) You guys need to grow up. You need to mature in Christ and grow in grace. The indication being that they were spiritually immature and they needed to grow up (laughs) and become men and women of God. That was his chief concern. Even if it meant that they despised him for being so blunt, for being so honest, he was still willing to be hard on them because of his love for them. It's with this introduction that we come to the first thing that I want to talk about today in terms of what true love is and what true love does. And it's that of our willingness to speak truth to each other. In verse 1, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, saying that on his third visit, everything must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And then in verse 2, he says that because he's already warned them twice, and now this will be the third time, when he comes, he will not spare anyone who has sinned earlier or any of the others. They've already been warned. He's warned them once. He's warned them twice. And now this is the third time, and we're going to see the significance of that detail here in just a moment. In verse 3, he says, Since you're demanding proof that Christ speaks through me, which they had, of course, by virtue of the super-apostles so-called, accused him of not being a true apostle. He says, like Christ, I'm not going to, though I seem to be weak, (laughs) I'm going to deal with you very powerfully. I'm going to be very strong with you. I'm going to be very tough on you. I'm going to be very severe with you. Boy, how would you like to be on the receiving end of a letter like that? 
Think about that. What if I showed up at church one day and I said, you know, I want to begin by reading a letter that I received from the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're going to have him as a guest speaker. He's going to be coming back to Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. And uh, you might want to hear what he has to say about this upcoming visit of his. That would be pretty interesting. Well, that's the problem, though. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most dismissed and disobeyed truths in all of Scripture, this would have to be it. And I'll explain what I mean. It's that of our unwillingness to warn that brother or sister in Christ concerning their sin, especially if and when they sin against you. The reason for this is that oftentimes it indicates that we simply don't care enough or love them enough to tell them the truth. That's the reason. I'm hoping you'll kindly permit me to take you on a brief tour through Scripture. I want to visit some of the places where we're told why we're to do this and even how we're to do this. And I want to start with Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, if you're my friend, you will speak truth to me, even if it hurts me. It can be trusted. I know you're a trusted friend because you care enough about me to speak truth to me, knowing that it could be very wounding to me. You're my friend. Conversely, you're not my friend. In fact, you're my enemy. If you only tell me what I want to hear, dare I say as a pastor, I would be your enemy if I only told you what your ears are itching to hear. I'm no friend and I'm certainly no pastor. If I love you, if I care about you, I'm going to speak the truth to you knowing full well it's going to hurt. But it's a good hurt. And it leads to a good end. The wounds of a friend are faithful. They can be trusted. If I didn't care about you, I wouldn't bother. I know my wife loves me. You know why? <laughs> Not because she cooks for me washes my dirty clothes for me. Not because of those things that she does for me. No, because of the truth that she speaks to me. She'll tell me, you're not really going to leave the house looking like that, are you? Oh. Now, why does she tell me that? Does she hate me? No. She loves me. How about this? And... I confess this on Thursday night, so I want you to know that my heart is right before the Lord. I have repented when it comes to food. 
my wife will say to me, and it's very hurtful, by the way, because I love food, especially meat, red meat, medium rare, kind of juicy, and (laughs) it's of God, by the way. I just want you to know that steak will be in heaven. I'm just saying, because it's in the Old Testament, and they would barbecue, and I digress. But anyway, getting back to the matter at hand, (laughs) my wife will say something to me like, you're not going to eat that. Well, that's kind of mean. No, it's not. She loves me. She's concerned for me and my health at 55 years of age going on 80. Reminds me of the story that's told where the doctor says to his patient, your heart is good, you're in really good condition, you're very strong, and you're in perfect health for a man of 90. (laughs) That's how I feel sometimes, but... Now, I suppose I can look at it this way. Maybe I would be really concerned if she says to me, hey... (laughs) I just barbecued this artery-hardening steak, and I want you to eat this for the next month every night. (laughs) By the way, how much is that insurance policy again? Maybe a silly way to illustrate it. She loves me. My wife wants me to be around. We have a prayer and a saying in, in Arabic that goes basically like this, Lord, Keep them for me and me for them. Keep them alive for me and keep me alive for them. I know she loves me because she'll speak the truth to me. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Quite a picture here, isn't it? Picture two knives sharpening each other. Imagine the friction and the heat created by that sharpening process. There are those times, and especially in the context of the marriage relationship, where the friction, the heat, is good. In marriage, the the friction, the heat in this incompatibility by God's design, is meant to bring those things out and to remove those things that have no business belonging in the heart of that husband and that wife. When my wife and I were first married, we had many conflicts, and God used that friction and that heat to remove those things that had no business taking up residence in our lives, let alone our marriage. Ephesians chapter 4, this is perhaps amongst my favorite passages in all the Bible concerning this matter. I'll read verses 11 through 16. The Apostle Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, says, and by the way, as I read this, you'll have to bear with me as I try to keep and not lose my breath. It's all one sentence. This is all one sentence. I, When I was studying and preparing and reading and meditating on this passage, I found myself getting my asthma back. This is so, it's just, so bear with me. He says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, immature, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. I wonder if he had those super apostles apostles in mind. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but... But here it is, wait for it, (laughs) speaking the truth in love may grow up, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. Wow. Try to unpack that. (laughs) By the way, um, after 2 Corinthians, we go into Galatians. And then, you know, the book after Galatians, Ephesians. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, especially when we get to chapter 4, plan on this being a series in and of itself. <laughs> just this passage that we just read now. What's Paul saying here? He's saying we're all different parts of the same body. And there is this danger, even this propensity for the body to be dysfunctional. Let me illustrate this way. You know when the writer of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I think some translations render it gathering. Poor translation. I'll explain why in a moment. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. It's an interesting illustration. The best I ever heard was this. It would be like taking a watch and gathering all of the parts together. Merely gathering them does nothing. They need to be assembled in order to function, to serve any purpose. This is why all of us as different members of the same body, we can be gathered together, but until we're assembled together, no growth takes place. There's no functioning. Nothing happens. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, in spiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've also created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you can take Pastor JD's teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to point you to the Aloha Prophecy Update tab on our website. 
And with more information, here's Pastor J.D. Thank you, Josh. One of the main reasons we do these prophecy updates is that we believe the rapture of the church can happen at any time. In fact, it may actually be closer than we even realize with all the things that are taking place in the world today. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus said that when we see these things begin to come to pass, that we should look up and lift up our heads, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. We believe that Jesus was referring to that which is now happening in the world, especially geopolitically. It's my hope and prayer that these prophecy updates will be a source of encouragement to you as a listener, not only to ready you and steady you, but to share with others the lateness of the hour in these the last days of human history as we know it. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you will join us every week here at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. Head on over to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access these updates. And be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of 2 Corinthians.